Welcome to Pilots and Petards Podcast. This is your co-hoister Jimbo, and joining us as always is our co-hoister Drew. If you're expecting individuals authorized or interested in flying aircrafts, you might be a little disappointed. For the record, petard is a real word and it is non-discriminatory. Petards are explosive devices usually used to take out a door or a wall. To be hoisted on a petard is to be hurt or destroyed by one's own plot device intended for another. So kind of to be blown up by one's own bomb. Here at Pilots and Petards Podcast, we watch television pilots or the first episode of a series and make some critical judgments. We're going to decide whether these pilots are awesome and deserve a watch or rewatch of the preceding series, or we're going to hoist these pilots on their own petards. Uh, to hoist or not to hoist, Jimbo, that is the question. Yes, yes, that's a petard that I heard. So today's episode, we will cast judgment on whether to hoist or not to hoist the pilot episode for the meta-anime phenomenon One Punch Man. So we're going to tell you a little bit about our experience. I'll go ahead and start off. I actually came to One Punch Man through a YouTube video, randomly really, and I was extremely intrigued by One Punch Man. I had never watched uh, any Dragon Ball, I never watched anime, I never really read manga. I got the first volume of the manga for One Punch Man. I probably watched the first episode, and I thought it was really cool. I thought the hero dynamic was interesting. I really liked the character. I loved the humor. I loved the satire. And so that's why I wanted to do this episode. I have a little bit more of a history with anime, which since I think neither of us have seen this show, maybe our experience can be through the lens of like, what the show is like. And so my anime experience is completely dependent on Cartoon Network's Toonami. I watched a Dragon Ball Z. I watched a lot of Gundam Wing. I kind of watched whatever was palatable for like a Western viewer. I knew that I was supposed to like Akira. So I watched it. I didn't really get it. And I thought it was kind of gross, but I knew I was supposed to like it. So I, I made it happen. I kind of get Cowboy Bebop. I get what it's going for, but I, I can't make myself watch it. Tried to watch Attack on Titan. I know it's supposed to be awesome, but subtitles are hard. You know, honestly, I do like to play with my phone while I am, you know, watching non-movies. So that's coming out with One Punch Man. And I had also watched the pilot before we watched it because I just heard great things through some websites that I like. Side note, I was watching the show, reading subtitles, trying to take notes. It was a very tedious 20-minute pilot. I also, for some reason, thought that it was dubbed... So I brought it to bed with me, got tired, had to like use my rewind 10 seconds many times because there's a lot of like important text and then rewatched it again this afternoon because I will get into the pilot, but I thought there were some things that like I made up or like fever dreamed. No, they very much happened in this pilot. Maybe you should watch it when you're half asleep and kind of a little crazy in the head. It helps. And very important to read the text. I will second that. All right, Drew. So why don't you give us a quick rundown? What happened in this pilot? Here's the pilot for you. We start off coming into kind of like a a near future Tokyo, Japan type area. It's being attacked by an evil purple monster, a piccolo monster. If you've watched Dragon Ball Z, it looks a lot like him. Uh, Come back to that in Dangling Threads. This purple monster is about to kill a little baby, like a little girl. And Saitama, our bald hero, comes in and defeats him after this long speech with one single punch. We then flash back to three years prior and this weird crab man you know wants to kill a child with a giant chin and a non-superhero Saitama you know who's just kind of apathetic about everything including life decides to step in and not let the weird crab man murder the child he gruesomely kills the crab man go back to the present day and we're back with our superhero with a bald head 
This guy and his brother are also attacking and destroying the city. One Punch Man comes in and kind of solves the problem with one punch. I'm going to get into the huge man and his brother later. I want to talk about it. And then, you know, one punch man is kind of down because nothing is really challenged in that day. So he's sitting, hanging out, and this custom car monster man tries to kill him. And one punch man defeats him with, again, one punch. Finally, these subterranean people come in and they're they're wonderful. You know, they're a challenge to one punch man who can't find value in his life. And he fights them to the core and he fights them to his point of exhaustion and he finds the challenge again and he finds happiness. And as soon as like the king of the subterranean people show up, One Punch Man's uh, alarm goes off. It was all a dream. Yeah, One Punch Man got into a lot of fights that ended with One Punch, but it's in the title. So that's the pilot. Jimbo, why don't you lead us off with your high points? Let me just start off. This show was hilarious. For a manga or anime, it is really funny. I really noticed the humor and it was... It was the right kind of humor for me. I like it dry. I like it a little bit self-referential, but also just a little bit dark and depressing. This was a depressing show on a couple levels, but it was also very funny. I agree. There's a very specific type of humor that I enjoy, Jimbo, and it is anti-child humor, where the child is the butt of the joke. A very specific example I can give is Bad Santa has a lot of kind of anti-kid humor where you know, of course, there's the kids off camera. So the person's just saying it to not a child, but it's edited in such a way that like, yeah, there's definitely kids are at the expense. That is not the humor for everyone. But when he's like having the encounter with the giant chinned kid, and he doesn't necessarily want to save him. Oh, my that really got me. That was a very humorous part, specifically for anti child humor. Yes. And and all the little things like even the very first thing he's like, I guess I'll go. You know, he's like not even sure if he wants to save the day. He's like, ah, I guess I'll go. And he refers to himself as hero for fun, but he's not having any fun. I mean, it's just really funny and it's super dry. He's like a dry comedian. It is ridiculously dry. And then the definition of irony is knowingly inverting the definition of a word being the opposite of when you put it in. Like there's so much irony in the dialogue versus the actions of the hero. And you're right. It is a very important to read the subtitle because I feel like if you watched it without subtitles, you would think to a degree you're like wow this guy has a lot of adventures but like once you add the language and the dialogue of how kind of out of it this dude is you're like whoa there is in my opinion a disconnect between the dialogue and the action but i feel like it's a very deliberate action by the creators and i think the humor will transition right into the satire there is so much satire in here not having a big anime background i can tell that the creators are just taking jabs at the japanese culture the overpopulation is a common thing that they kind of poke fun at there's a couple of villains they're just really obsessed with overpopulation he even made a joke about he decides to save the kid because they're in the age of declining birth rates i thought that was just really funny and it's some satire on like japanese how they're so consumed with work in business that they're not having kids and so reason for saving the kid is not because he thinks it's the right thing to do but because Japanese needs people. That was great. I mean that whole scene just pulled me in and I am surprised there was no chin testicle joke. Those were balls. They were swinging, they were swaying. I can't imagine that the animators didn't have balls in their mind when they made that kid's giant chin. Interesting that they never took a swing. That's the funniest part because they don't have to, they always refer to him as, uh, I didn't write it down exactly, but kid with the big chin. You don't have to call it nuts. You don't even have to refer to that. Everybody knows what his chin is. Beating around the bush and just referring to him as the kid with the big chin, I think it just makes it even funnier. 
yeah, the whole thing was pretty funny. And I love that there was detail to that joke, too, because I rewound it and the nipples were on the character the entire time. Fantastic. I love attention to detail in my pilots. I think this will transition right into our crab man. We have another crab man, except this crab man's a little different than our Earl crab man. You're right. I hadn't thought of it. Are we should reach because maybe a new segment will be the crabbiest crab man moment and we can keep it going. You know, even we can stretch and we can find it in every episode because I believe that, yeah, maybe there's a crab man in all of us, but also a crab man in each pilot that we watch. I'm going to make a comment about the crab man because he becomes this crab monster because he ate too much crab. He still has ridiculous tidy whities this just ridiculous dude that's out to kill a little kid because the kid drew nipples on him. And so I, I just think that just plays right into the, the funniness of the show and the satire. And then I think it should transition into whatever you were planning on bringing up about, about the Crab Man. I love how much this show just disturbed me. You know, like, I like it when things are kind of off-putting and so many parts of the Crab Man were just, just made me uncomfortable, which I like, you know, where I was like, uh, I don't like the tidy whities and, like, I don't like his weirdness. I don't, you know, but it's cool, you know? Like, I'm a person who watches The Bachelor and Bachelorette and puts my hand over my face because it just weirds me out and it's so awkward, but I love it and I won't turn away. Yeah, I was definitely pulled in. Like, it was more of, like, the scene you can't look away from with the crab man speaking about the satire i i like his origin because like why is eating crabs and becoming a crab man any less logical than getting hit by a bomb and becoming the hulk like they are both super arbitrary and i love how one punch man just points that out no the only reason you believe in the hulk is because you grew up on it this is as valid as the hulk's origin or the fantastics Four origin because they got hit by space rays So why not, if you eat a ton of crab, do you not just become a crab? I'm in One Punch Man. You got me. One more note. He had a massive wedgie that you just could not ignore, too. Enough. Agreed. Crab Ronti was not my pilot MVP, but it might be the part of the pilot that stays with me. I'm going to volley to you. You got a high point? I think some more of my high points are going to come in the MVP and dangling threads. I'm good on hypes for now. Oh, plenty of high points. And since we're talking about Crabman's wedgie, there's a weird thing about villains not having pants in that episode. The big brother is naked, and Saitama even makes a comment to him, like, put some pants on. Oh, the big brother. I'm not going to dissect every joke, because that's that's a shitty podcast. The big brother and the little brother and Saitama's... The way that that gets resolved was, again, so dark on some levels, you know, but so satisfying, too, to be like, oh, wow, that's messed up. I really enjoyed that, too. And while we're talking about villains, the melodramaticness of all the characters besides our hero, Saitama, was just, let me just knock off a couple other high points, I think. (laughs) Okay. You know, one more, okay? Okay. I think the death and destruction, there's just death and destruction yeah. everywhere. And I think that kind of plays into maybe stereotypical Japanese adventure action media. I can see that. You know, a little bit of the anime influencing Zack Snyder's destruction of like all people and all places. I saw that. And, you know, your, your point about satire is valid. This One Punch Man is such a funny, funny mirror on so many tropes and so many archetypes that we just take for granted. When we look at them in a certain way, I think my dang, I don't want to get into my dangling threads yet, but just the concept of One Punch Man's power and his happiness was such a high point. Even like the Godzilla, like parts of it, I felt like Godzilla is coming, you know, when they, they have the public announcement for everyone to run and hide. I know you're you're anticipating a low point. Go, go ahead. Start us off with one of your low points. 
again, is me like searching for a low point, but this episode didn't so much remind me of a story as more like a series of kind of sketches. I feel like the most character development we got was when we got a little bit of Saitama's origin story fighting the crab man. And then he had some nice character moments in between, like thinking to himself, but the vaccine man fight and the huge man brothers fight and the custom car man fight and the subterranean people fight were their own individual things. And I didn't necessarily feel them as a continuous story. Now, if they were put there on purpose to just demonstrate and demonstrate and demonstrate the monotony of Saitama's life, it works as a narrative device. But if the next episode is similar in this one in that it's like three or four or five disconnected like skits, I don't think I would watch the show all the way through. Like, I think I understand the premise now. I would like to see more character development. So that's my low point. I kind of disagree with you as far as he takes out four bad guys and then he has a dream where he takes out a bunch of bad guys. I felt it was very intentional and there was little points in each of them that, that are doing some character development, but I do have the same fear as you. I do fear that this can only go on for so long. I'm really interested to continue with the series, but as you mentioned, I'm not sure if I could repeat the first episode. Something, I mean, there has to be some bigger things going on and, and I'm not sure how many seasons there are I know there's at least two, so I'm not sure exactly how they're going to do two seasons and maintain the One Punch Man trope. I'm interested to see. We've been we've been a bit wishy-washy on watching these shows or re-watching these shows. I think that this, at this point, has the highest rewatchability rate, but it also has a pretty good chance of also being dropped after like two or three episodes if there's not a lot of character evolution. What I could see happening is they might try and do a parallel narrative, kind of like what Arrow did in its first season. Like maybe half of the episode is Saitama building himself from that guy who killed the crab man to the bald one punch man. While in the present, we're watching one punch man again, having his existential crisis about his power. That could be episodes like two through seven. And then we start to get into like the main story and climax with episodes 11 and 12. But we we're not there. This wasn't a low point for me, but possibly a low point for others, is the animation. There are a lot of still images. I don't know. I could see some people not really liking the animation. That was a potential low point for me because at first I did not enjoy the inconsistency of the anime styles. I felt like there was like at least two, if not three, distinct anime styles. Like There was kind of like his small eyes cartoony present day one where you would see him on the shoulder of the giant there was the kind of very vivid classic anime like bodily fluids and you know smash cut stuff like when he killed the crab man or when he fought the subterranean monsters there's a little bit of yeah those still shots in between kind of peppered which i think are used for like transitions in more classical anime it bugged me at first but i got used to it and then i kind of got impressed by the artistic merit. So, I mean, to me, that was a possible low point. I understand what you're saying. Some people might see it that way. But while I was watching, I was like, oh, here's my low point. And then I was like, by the end, I was like, ah, potential high point discussion piece. I agree. I wrote it as a low point, but I actually enjoyed it. What was your low point? My legit low point is the theme song. I thought the theme song was terrible. Interesting. Why? Maybe just genre. It's kind of mixed between punk and pop, a little bit of screaming. I just did not enjoy the sound of the theme song. Uh, any other possible low points? I had very few. Honestly, out of low points. But if you have any controversial low points or possible low points. I have, you know, this pretty standard one that there's almost no female presence. That's I don't really necessarily consider it a low point because this is such a 
male dominant genre. But there is a, a growing interest in young girls in manga in anime. So 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 that was a at least a slight low point. But a legitimate one, you know, representation matters and, you know, optics matter. And you're right. The only female presence that I sensed was that sobbing girl at the beginning who One Punch Man saves and we never see again. So maybe she becomes a character later on, but some very male-centric pilots we've seen. I do know of at least one female villain. Uh-huh. Could be they get a little more representation. I'm not sure what to... this. I hope this isn't a a cultural low blow, but I found the girls crying to just be very annoying. Yeah, I'm not sure that's a cultural low blow because, I mean, is that is that the voice actress? Is that anime? Is that is that a cultural thing? I kind of feel like it's anime. Well, yeah, because I feel like there is that anime style. They do the shift on the face where all of a sudden, instead of having a nose and a mouth, it just becomes the eyes with, like, the long streams of tears. So I think that is an anime trope. But, yeah, I don't know if I focused on that in the same way that you did. Jimbo, what's your pilot MVP for One Punch Man? My pilot MVP is Saitama. He's a nihilist. He's a sociopath. All he wants to do is just not be bored. He wants excitement. He wants to feel alive. He wants to feel the rush. And he just can't because he's too powerful. I agree. That's, that's going to be a big dangling thread with me is Saitama as a character. But unfortunately, this might be our first big podcast disagreement because my pilot MVP, Jimbo, was the experience that was that theme song. Holy crap. Holy really? crap. Holy crap. That theme song. <laughs> like, I've, I've seen people on Twitter and I've heard other pos people talk about the, whoa, there's a skip intro button for net for Netflix. My finger went nowhere near that skip intro and it never will for One Punch Man because I just got it. I got what the show was going for. I got what the, the theme was going for. Like, I don't understand how you how you like the satire of the entire rest of the episode. But the satire of the theme song was amazing. I was just like, this is what I'm here for. I like the song in general. I would listen to it in my car. But I thought the combination of just the way over the top song with the way over the top, you know, action scenes was a great contrast to what I already knew about the show, which was the, you know, the apathy. And yeah, I could call it the nihilism of Saitama the hero. So I just thought that knowing what I know about the show just enjoying the campiness and the goofiness of the song. Like Buffy the Vampire Slayer was goofy and it wasn't campy. Like it, it did not succeed in making its cheesiness cool. One Punch Man is real freaking cheesy and real, real cool. And I think that the epitome of that cheesiness is the theme song. I would, I think you should watch it again, dude. Okay, well, I definitely am going to. I did notice on YouTube they have some very popular English theme song editions by... I'm guessing American or, or English speaking um, musicians. I'm going to have to say I overlooked that. And I might have been taking notes during the theme song. I definitely, I dropped the ball there. I, I almost feel embarrassed. Oh, you might, you might have a very legitimate opinion. I mean, watch it again. If it still sucks, it sucks. But I stand behind the music. The music, I wasn't saying the theme song as, as the whole piece, referring to the, the literal song aspect or the music. I just didn't like it. I also like the song. <laughs> I. But I, I also have like, <laughs> I also have you the best around, um, the Karate Kid theme song on one of my Definitely. like on it one of my running huge, mixes the for best on my iPod. Feel to it. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. Okay, next week I'll uh, I might have to take back the bad things I said about the theme song. Let's look at some dangling threads, and I think my biggest dangling thread that I'd like for you to weigh in on is kind of the philosophy of the show. 
and maybe the mindset of Saitama. So what was your read on that? Okay, well, why don't you start us off and, and then I'll respond. So I think I really like what you hit on, which is Saitama calls out the reason for him being a hero is I'm a hero for fun. I think the reason that the irony is there in that statement is because you're right. It's obvious that he's not having fun, but it is a very real statement and that he is choosing to be a hero for the challenge and maybe not necessarily for the altruistic reasons that we are conditioned to believe our heroes to do, if that makes sense. What do you think about that statement? Yeah, I agree. There's So the, the YouTube video I referenced, it's pretty much what makes a hero. And he just talks about how boredom makes Saitama a terrible hero. And in fact, the show actually develops that in, in later uh, episodes. I think that just plays into the storytelling. And I think the, the creator of One Punch Man is just brilliant. Him like poking fun at the whole superhero genre, just picking these cliche heroes and saying like this is all bullshit. Agreed. I think that it's a really interesting examination because I feel like there are archetypes and I feel like there are social constructs that we don't question that if we did take the time to question, we would be like, whoa, why did I take that for granted? Superman's an example, you know, like truth, justice and the American way. Everyone's just like, yeah, man, Superman's the best. Like Superman does the right thing. And, you know, One Punch Man asked the question of why, if you had ultimate power and if you were the strongest why would you choose to do the right thing? Because what is a stronger impulse in the human nature? Like to do the right thing or to want to be challenged and to find success because one punch man doesn't value his success because there's no challenge. After what, 75 years, are we to believe that Superman or Kent is still going to find the joy in his work if there's no challenge? And conceivably speaking, he is the strongest which is why some people are like, Superman's lame. I also really like the scene where right before he, he beats the car monster, the music gets all sad, and I thought it was just really well done. And it's an inner monologue, and he's having like this existential, maybe it's not crisis because this has been his life for probably more than three years, but he says, in exchanging power, I have lost something that's essential for a human being. I just think that's so interesting because for one, it's it's a cool idea to think about, you know, referring back to Superman and these super powerful heroes and other stories. It's also interesting because the character was clearly lost the essentials of being human before he became a hero. I mean, he's wandering around unemployed a monster's about to kill him he doesn't even care he doesn't run he doesn't show any emotion he lost that whatever essentials there are for being a human being he lost those a long time ago when he has a chance to save the kid or help the kid he just ignores it he says i mean who really cares so it's like he has this chance to save the kid and he doesn't because he just doesn't care i mean he's Whatever essentials there are for being human, he lost those well before he became a superhero, which makes it interesting that, that he's like trying to blame the power when there's clearly something a lot deeper into this, this character's, I guess, issues. Hopefully the series will develop that because I think that's one of the most interesting aspects of Saitama as, as a character and a hero. That's a wonderful take that I had not considered. I hadn't thought about the powers being his crutch because... If they're an evasion tactic, if he doesn't enjoy his life, if he wants to find something to get his mind off his troubles, yeah, becoming the strongest hero in the world would definitely take time and divert him from those thoughts he doesn't want to think. But yeah, I think what we're seeing now is, what does that look like when you find that ultimate goal? 
And that leads me into a dangling thread, or at least an idea I want to express, because I do enjoy the fact that this that this show talks about challenge as an essential part of human nature. Because when we're teaching children or students, we always want to use what's called the ZPD or the zone of proximal development. And that is the zone with which we can give a student work that is challenging enough for them to be intrigued by it, but also accessible enough that they can find success. So basically, I shouldn't give a kid something that's so hard that they'll be discouraged to not try, but you also can't give them something that wouldn't even like bring them interest. Like you can't give like ninth graders like flashcards about like addition, you know, they could do it, but there's no drive to do it. So maybe like Saitama is the ninth grader with like first grade flashcards. Uh, That's a perfect analogy because I mean, that's one of the biggest problems in education to kind of get off topic a little bit is that you have too many students that just are not getting appropriate challenges. And so they're not, they're not gaining any interest and they're not really learning. And so I think that is one of, one of Saitama's big problems. He doesn't have an appropriate challenge to keep him into it. Are, are we the first ones to draw the comparisons between Saitama's dilemma and American public education? If not, dude, let's just own it anyways. It's going to go up on the Twitter. Take that, Betsy DeVos. This would actually be worth developing further. We might be able to publish it. Yeah. Make those fast stacks off academic papers. Yeah, in fact, this is a new lens. Okay, One Punch Man is actually about the U.S. education system. And that's why all our little Saitamas are so bored with school. No comment. I'm not going to say the next thing I was going to say. Because this, <laughs> this is not my day job. My day job is being a teacher. So I, I will not say the thing I was about to say. Moving to the next dangling thread, Jimbo, what you got? This is why, as Jimbo, as my alias, I, I can get away with saying such <laughs> things. I also noticed that last week I was I was making fun of our audience. And audience, I'd have I'd like to apologize for that. I do not have enough of an audience to make fun of you guys yet, so please forgive me. Brian, Tova, Steve. Oh, Zan. She's our audience. Johnny's in, and I might be recruiting a couple others. Yeah. Okay, so dangling thread. I'm not sure how much his his dream fight scene was a playoff of other anime. I mean, I'm assuming it is. The only thing he's dreaming for, and then he wakes up and it's just like, dang, another day where I'm going to have to kill some some bad guy with one punch. Agreed. And then the episode ends, I become too strong. And he kind of like knows his downfall. It's ennui, being bored with everything, you know, and, and that is the ex... I, I would say, you, you said it wasn't an existential crisis before. I would say it's a full... I would say it is a full-on existential crisis. No purpose, no drive, going through the motions of life. It just... He's not a guy in a depression commercial. He's a superhero. But I would say it's an existential crisis. I agree. I, th- I think I was saying that it wasn't a new existential crisis, like, Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Do you have any more dangling threads, Jimbo? His empathy, and he doesn't even care that he's not making a difference. And actually, I do find this extremely interesting because we've discussed this in the past about vigilantes. And I've come to the conclusion, like, if we look at the Marvel Universe, that Daredevil or Spider-Man or Punisher, none of them make a difference in their world. Kind of questions this whole idea of, like, being a vigilante. Like, what's the purpose of being a vigilante? Saitama kind of addresses this issue, at least in the superhero arena, because you have these superheroes that they're trying to make the world a better place for the right reason, and they're not. And granted, I mean, 
selling comic books and TV shows and movies is the primary factor in them not succeeding. But it's just interesting that, you know, you have the Daredevil and Punisher are always arguing about whose uh, philosophy is better, but actually they both are terrible because neither of them stops the bad guy. I mean, like, they stop a bad guy, but they there's always another bad guy. There's actually always another more powerful, more dangerous, more sinister bad guy around the corner. And the fact that Saitama brings us up and he just doesn't even care, it kind of ties into his empathy, but it also brings in, you know, just that aspect. None of these heroes are actually making a difference. I want to push in and I want to push back because I feel like that's a little cynical. Of me or of, or of Saitama? More of your viewpoint about Daredevil and Spider-Man. Like, I'm sure Saitama's okay. going to go through his journey. But I would say saying that Spider-Man and Punisher don't make a difference in their world, I think that's your point of view more so than, like, whether or not they do because it just depends on, like, what you want to focus on. Are you a micro or a macro guy? If you're a macro guy and you're looking at... Can I jump in? Yeah, I'll jump in. When I say they don't make a difference, they don't improve violence let's say crime. They don't make a difference as far as stopping crime. If they did, they wouldn't have, you know, a series or a TV show anymore. So I, I understand that part of it has to be with this continuous series. But as far as the effectiveness of them stopping crime, their goal, you know, their purpose, they're unsuccessful. You can disagree, of course. That's fine. But I think my point stands still, which is, if you want to focus on micro or if you want to focus on macro, if you focus on macro, yeah, like they're not stopping crime from occurring in Marvel cinematic or in Marvel comics, New York City. But if you want to go on a micro level, they are stopping crime for that one lady whose purse got snatched or that one kid who, you know, fell off of the building and Spider-Man had to catch him. So to me, that's a point of view thing. And I think it's I'm hoping it's something Saitama's going to address, which is do individual acts that may not impact the larger whole yes. still matter because they matter a whole lot to that smaller person. You know, you can Google this, but it's the story about the dude and the starfish. You know, bro's walking down the beach. He sees another guy coming the other direction. The other guy's throwing in starfish. And he says it matters to that one. So I'm hoping that that is a question that One Punch Man, the series, might explore, which is, can you work within a flawed system and still make a difference without being ground down? I hope they do develop that as well. But I have to push back as well. I think you can make a case at micro or macro because the Punisher and Spider-Man, they create villains. So you have to look at the micros of the villains that are created due to these characters, the damage they do. If you only want to focus on one person, like let's say Mary Jane, okay, fine. Spider-Man is successful for most of the comic book series because Mary Jane stays alive. But if you, if you, I think you have to look at the macro. If, if a superhero's goal is to prevent crime or to save the world, then you have to look at a macro to judge their effectiveness. Now, if the superhero is only a selfish bastard and only cares about their family, then that's I think that's when you would focus on the micro. And even with your starfish analogy, we could uh, double check with like a you know a uh, biologist. Maybe throwing back those starfish has some some other consequence to the ecosystem of the beach. Maybe there's certain mic microbes or another fish or a crab or some other thing that's gonna be hurt by throwing those starfish back. You do have to look at the big picture if you wanna judge the effectiveness of, let's say, altruistic behavior with the goal of like making the world a better place. I still feel like you just have an anti-starfish agenda, <laughs> which you have found a new platform to push, but free speech nice. and all that. Okay. 
Well, Jimbo, I'm glad we pulled out that thread. That yeah, no, that thread. was good, man. Was very satisfying. But uh, but that does take us to the most serious part of this serious podcast, which is the to hoist or not to hoist section. So, Jimbo, are you going to watch this show? I am going to read the manga. I feel like the manga is is the better media for me. The manga and the anime are pretty much the same. I think I think the dialogue is almost identical. So, I mean, if you want to be technical, no, I'm not going to watch the anime. But yes, I'm going to continue with, with the story. So, will you continue to watch this show? I'm going to make that effort. And maybe in a couple episodes, I can report on One Punch Man. Now, I say I'm going to watch this show, but right after we finish recording, I am going to hop on the bike and probably watch an episode of Punisher. Maybe I'm being a little hypocritical because I'm saying, yes, I'll watch this show. But in this immediate opportunity, I'm going to watch a different show. My intent is to watch this show. I don't think the question refers to, like, right this second. Oh, I know. You know, I, I like that little internet meme thing that says... No one forgets to text you back. People make a conscious decision. So, you know, if I choose to watch another show on my bike instead of One Punch Man, I am prioritizing something else. So I want to say right now that I'm going to watch One Punch Man. But if the next available opportunity, I want to watch Punisher instead. Loyal podcast listeners, don't hold your breath for me to actually follow through. But maybe I will. Well, last week I said that I would give Buffy Season 3 a chance. That might not happen this decade. <laughs> There's a lot going on. And it's late in the decade. It's it's 2017. Be nice, listeners. It might not happen next decade either. Well, now you're being unfair. But I stand behind my statement. I might give it a shot. Well, Jimbo, we've talked. We've talked a lot. Now, are you going to hoist or are you not going to hoist? Did this pilot set up its own petards and get away quick enough? <sighs> Love that sound effect. Or are we going to hoist this one? Did this did this pilot not set its petards quickly enough? Was it hoisted on its own petard, Jimbo? Very strong not hoist. There were I don't think there was a petard anywhere near this pilot. Very, very strong agree. The only petard on the horizon is if future episodes follow this format. I don't want future episodes to be sketches, but that's not the question here. The question is... Are we hoisting this petard? And I strongly agree with you, Jimbo. This is a not hoist. All right, so now we're going to transition to our petardar. Rex, for anyone that likes One Punch Man, Drew, why don't you start us off? Sure. There is a great series of philosophy books by a guy, Paul Strathern. And these books cover famous philosophers in 90 minutes. They're about, they're about the size of a USA Today, uh, maybe even thinner than that. It's called Nietzsche in 90 Minutes. I didn't reference the 18th century Prussian philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, but you know, if you get into the ethos and pathos and philosophy of One Punch Man, I think that the will to power, which was Nietzsche's greatest contribution to philosophy, is something that you could get into. And I also think that his idea of the ubermensch or the overman is also going to be something that if you really want to learn more about what's going on in One Punch Man's head, it seems to me at this point that this is a series that's heavily influenced by Nietzsche. In addition, great, great, great meta study of superheroes is in this great comic book called Astro City by Kurt Busiek, covers by Alex Ross. It's a great meta study of what are superheroes' psyches like? Not dark like Watchmen, but kind of set in this cool city on the West Coast. What do the citizens of the city act like? And most importantly, who are the people behind the masks? Not as depressing as One Punch Man, 
So if you want to see a not depressing version of this question, Astro City by Kurt Busiek, fantastic comic book series. I'll say the YouTube video that I referenced, it's the channel is PBS Idea Channel. And the title of that is One Punch Man, Do Heroes Save Us From Boredom? And I think that is an excellent 12-minute video for anyone that liked the show. It definitely dives into some of the themes that we didn't cover. If you want a non-funny version of One Punch Man, I think Watchmen might be something that, that you would enjoy. Kind of the critiquing of superheroes. I prefer the graphic novel over the movie. You know how I feel about Zack Snyder, so Watchmen might go down as the apex of Scott's, or of uh, Zack Snyder's career in terms of his artistic vision. Can you enlighten us on who Zack Snyder is? Is that the director? Uh, yeah, Zack Snyder is the guy who ruined the DC uh, Cinematic Universe by making Batman vs. Superman oh, uh, a super yeah. dour movie, which took all of the worst parts of Batman The Dark Knight Returns and kind of rewards those parts. We should have seen it coming because there are great aspects of Watchmen as a graphic novel, and Zack Snyder as the director chose to focus on some of the broiest and shittiest parts of the graphic novel. The lessons of Watchmen are not that everything has to be grim and gritty. The lessons of Watchmen are that superhero stories can be nuanced. No one told that to Zack Snyder, and so he just made a super grim and gritty superhero movie. I agree. Read the graphic novel. I'm shaking my fist ruefully at you, Zack Snyder. All right, Drew, why don't you tell us a little bit about next week? All right, the next episode. First uh, listener suggestion, so thank you, Brian. Next week, we're going to watch Glee. And I have very, very fond memories of this pilot, both as the first episode of a show and as an example of a, in my opinion, pretty strong pilot. So let's start the bias train off right. We're watching Glee next week, and you can find Netflix commercial free. I also watched Glee. I watched the whole first season, and I enjoyed it. I watched it on New Year's Eve in a small village in Africa. And, it, you know, it wasn't your, your cliche way to start off the new year, but we binge-watched we binge Glee in like two days, and, and I enjoyed it, and I look forward to rewatching it. As do I. So, so Jimbo, every day we're hoistling, and where can people find us hoistling on the interwebs? So you can find us hoistling on our website. And when I have an exact location for that, I will give it to you. Drew, can you can you tell them where they can tweet us? Yeah, you can definitely tweet us. So you're going to want to at pilots, N, the letter N, Petard's podcast. That's us on Twitter. I, I assume if you put in the search bar pilot and even just like comma Petard or Petard's podcast, you'll find us. But that's an extra step. You know, I'm not, I don't want to put that on you. And if you'd like to email us, if you know a pilot we should watch, or if you have some constructive criticism, uh, make sure it stays constructive. Uh, or at least make it personal about Jimbo, not me. You can always email us, same handle as the Twitter, pilots, N, the letter N, Petard's podcast at gmail.com. We are not a popular podcast, so you will probably get a personalized response. Take advantage while we are not hot. I will take any and all feedback. The only request I have is, is not to make any people with disability jokes. That's, that's my only request. But I will take all of the criticism that you can throw. And that may have just opened up some uh, discriminatory uh, puns my way, possibly. We don't encourage that kind of thing, but, you know, Jimbo over here, every day we're hoistling. How about you? 
Every day we're hoisting Jimbo out. Drew out. Uh, I, I think we might actually be able to finish it. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that was 54 minutes. That was not super long, but I think we had good talk. You know, if everything's under an hour, that would make later things that are over an hour special. People yeah, would listen to that. I, I agree. If it it needs to be well, today's today's show was excellent, and we had a lot to talk about. And it, we're probably once we cut it up a little bit, probably going to be closer to 45 to 50 minutes. That's fair. I. I okay. Well, maybe I enjoy the fact that our our then we when we like things, it's a long episode, and like when it was Buffy and we don't like things, it could be a shorter episode. Like that's kind of cool because, you know, there are a lot of podcasts where they just do spend an hour just shitting on stuff. It's not always fun. Yeah, there's no let's, reason let's, to spend sixty minutes pooping on Buffy. I mean, you know, she, she third thirty minutes was good for her. It was. It was uh, it's gonna be funny if if this takes off. People are gonna like look at the length of our podcast and be like. Oh shit! This one was an hour and forty minutes. They won't even have to listen. Yeah, they'll be like, to they it. must have really liked yeah. Frasier. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack. Did you just predict that Frasier is going to be an hour and forty minutes? We could make we could and make Frasier an hour and forty minutes and just like make that happen. Dude, I always hate Frasier's having a renaissance what if, what if on we the internet. On Frasier for like three hours. There are think pieces on Frasier on the internet. What's that? I mean, I was kind of young, but, oh, I could not stand that actor. I didn't like him on Cheers. I didn't like him when he had his own show. He's Beast. He's the best Beast. Really? Yeah, I, I think he's a good Beast. Hey, um, if you don't like Kelsey Grammer, go online and just YouTube this. Do, like, Kelsey Grammer falling. There's a clip of him, like, at some fundraiser uh, walking around the stage, and apparently they put tables very close to the stage. And so he, like, takes a step off of the podium because he thinks that, like, the circular tables, which I guess are flush with age, is part of the stage, and he falls. I don't think they should have had the same height tables as the stage. Oh, and then I also I also emailed... Sorry, I'm going to change subjects. I emailed my favorite band, Slightly Stupid, and I asked them if we could use one of their songs as our closing music. So if, if I get permission... I'd like to say thanks to Slightly Stupid for giving us permission to play their song, uh, Jimmy. And if they don't Good. give us permission, I'm going to delete that part. I think you should delete the part where like, you reference that. Alright man, you got anything else? I figure we'll go like another three minutes, and then uh, yeah. if we have anything to say, not, you know, we cut it off. Do you, you, have, you have anything about the show or, or, or anything to share just mm. personally that you are okay with our dangling viewers hearing. Oh, and by and by the way, viewers, if any of you are still listening, the show's over. Um, we're just kind of, you know, doing our thing. This is actually my new favorite part of the show. The show's indeed over. In my head, though, I feel like I would rather we not acknowledge that we are intentionally putting this in. But does that ruin it? No, I don't think so. Okay, that's fair. Well, you know, then let's, let's acknowledge. Yes, this it's is... the fans, man. If they don't like it... Hey, you know, if if you don't like this, you should have hung up a while ago. In fact, the music's going to be your cue. Okay, when yeah. the music starts to kick in in the future, you'll know to, if, you know, if you want to stick for the, you know, stick around for the ride or get out. Got, got a little aggressive at the time. Those yeah, are fans, man. I, I get passionate towards the end of the show, man. My favorite part, you know. 
it's a good part. I like it. Yeah, if we if we fuck around until 60 minutes every time, that's I don't edit it, so I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, and this this part's gonna kind of stay. Um, I mean, unless I stutter really bad, I'm I'm just gonna leave it clean. Nice. How how are the pauses? What do you mean? You mean tonight's episode? Well, like. Yeah, I don't feel like we interrupted each other that much. I mean, I'm hoping the edits will be light, but we did. I don't think, well, I think we did a pretty decent job tonight not walking over each other. Yeah, there was definitely a few parts where I kind of wanted to jump in. I was kind of getting anxious, and I, I think I talked over you a little bit. But we should be able to clean it up. Nice. Us, us having our, our, our tracks recorded separately makes it really easy to, to clean up any background or cutting off each other. So whoever has the best idea wins, I guess, and I'm the judge. I'm fine with that. You're impartial, much more so than I. <laughs> 